0: The accolades keep pouring in for Dr. Fauci. Oh, our beloved exalted ruler, Dr. Fauci. Not sure if you subscribe to InStyle magazine, perhaps not. But if uh, if you haven't, then you haven't seen Dr. Fauci's beautiful spread where he's sitting by his pool. He's got uh, Oxford shoes on for some reason, kind of dad sunglasses, just sitting there looking cool, looking in style. It's called the Good Doctor. Dr. Fauci says this, I kid you not, this is the headline. Dr. Fauci says, with all due modesty, I think I'm pretty effective. Pretty effective. 120 some odd days after we were told 15 days to slow the spread. Well, don't worry if you missed the InStyle cover because you can watch opening day of the Nats. That's right. The Washington Nationals are going to have Dr. Fauci throw out their first pitch. Oh, isn't that so wonderful? That's after after their wonderful World Series win, they are going to honor Dr. Fauci. This, you know, to me, this doesn't seem like how we're supposed to treat scientists. This seems to me like how we treat celebrities. This seems to me like how we treat politicians, but this is not normally how we treat scientists. That's because science has strongly overstepped its bounds. Science has failed, and in the face of the failure, I don't know how you look at this coronavirus situation as anything other than an absolute failure. You could look at it as a little bit of a political attack as well, but in the face of all that, we give our honors to Dr. Fauci. We will take a look at the real story. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Dr. Fauci, gosh, I can't wait till I get my InStyle magazine cover. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get that. I try to be stylish, but they don't. I don't know. They don't. I guess I need to. I need to screw up a national epidemic, a global pandemic. Then maybe I can get my cover. I do have to thank our friends over at LifeLock. You know, criminals. They. Uh, They don't particularly care what's going on, okay? Actually, they care what's going on in the sense that they will exploit what's going on to steal your information, okay? You've got to be responsible. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect that your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. If you become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock can help you restore your identity easier than what you can do on your own. I trust these guys. I really, really believe in LifeLock. Obviously, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year. Do that by going to LifeLock.com slash Knowles, That is LifeLock.com slash for 25% off. Head on over there right now, lifelock.com slash So Dr. Fauci has this cover and he says, in all modesty, I feel like I've been pretty effective. I guess he, he has been effective in the sense that his constant urging has forced America to shut down, even though his predictions has been to- have been totally wrong. And his guidance, like when he told us not to wear the masks, and now he says we have to wear the masks, has been extraordinarily contradictory. But it's been effective in that we really are, we're locking down again, right? Dr. Fauci took this a step even further into the land of the absurd when he went on PBS NewsHour recently. And when he was asked to kind of compare how various states have reacted to the coronavirus. He decided to tell us that the state that has handled this thing the worst has actually done it the best. We have a problem. We need to admit it and own it, but we've got to do the things that are very clear that we need to do to turn this around. Remembering we can do it. We know that when you do it properly, you bring down those cases. We've done it. We've done it in New York. New York got hit worse than any place in the world. And they did it correctly. Correctly, I assume means they did it by sending very sick people to nursing homes and and killing all the senior citizens. That's, I guess that's correct. It's only correct uh, depending on what the question is, I suppose, what you're trying to do. If you're trying to kill all the old people, then that would be the correct solution. If you're not trying to kill all the old people, then you probably shouldn't do what New York did. I also love this logic here, which is, we know for a fact, New York, got got hit the worst right but the the line between an event that happened to New York that New York had no control over and New York's participation in that event seems to be a little blurry here for Dr Fauci it may be the case that New York for whatever reason would always have gotten hit worse than any other place but couldn't New York have been prepared on the ventilators they weren't couldn't New York have then, when they ordered more ventilators, gotten the number they needed, right? They didn't. They vastly overestimated how many they needed. Couldn't New York have gotten its estimates on who needed the hospitals correct, rather than set up a, an emergency hospital at the Javits Center they didn't need and call in the federal ship that they didn't need? Couldn't New York have not sent sick people to nursing homes? Yeah, I think they could have done that. Couldn't New York have n- and not had its politicians encourage people to go to the Chinese New Year parades? At the outbreak of the virus? Yeah, they could have done. New York did everything wrong. The the Democratic politicians in New York did everything wrong. And this guy, freaking Dr. Fauci, who also got everything wrong, this guy has the audacity to come out and say that they got everything right. We should follow them. I have to tell you, I've tried to be nice and circumspect about Dr. Fauci. He's got a hard job. I'm kind of done with Fauci. I think we've had enough Fauci. Fauci got us to this point, which is 120 days after we were told this thing would be over, 15 days to slow the spread. Fauci got us to this point where he's given us contradictory guidance on, on what we are now told is essential, an essential element of, of preventing the spread, namely the face masks. Fauci's gotten us to here, which is a chaos and rancor and economic collapse and vastly overblowing the, the numbers that he was shooting for. Maybe we try someone else. Is Dr. Fauci the only public health official in America? What, what happened to Dr. Burks? Dr. Scarf? Bring her back or anybody else. I think we've had enough Dr. Fauci. You know, the president was asked in that Chris Wallace interview, said, Mr. President, why are you criticizing Fauci? And he said, oh no, we're not doing that. I mean, he was wrong about everything, but we're not doing that. So I think it's about time to lean into those instincts as well. There's, there are a lot of shenanigans going on with this virus. I mentioned on the show the other day, or I rather, I read a question that someone said they, they went to a, a medical center to get tested for the virus. The line was too long. So they left early and they never got tested. And they got a phone call and said they tested positive. And they said that this happened to a friend of theirs as well. So I said, look, I don't know anything about this. It's this just a personal anecdote. Then there was that story out of Texas where this apparently happened to thousands of people. And the government has now gotten involved because it seems so credible. Well, I spoke to a friend of mine last night here in LA. Same story, different cities, same story. She went to get tested for coronavirus. The line was like two hours or something. So she signed in, but she did not get tested. And she got a call that she tested positive. That's just one more anecdote, but it seems like these anecdotes are starting to add up. What is this? Is this a system of perverse incentives here? Is this just sheer incompetence? Is this something else? I don't know, but there are certainly lots of shenanigans going on with our response here. They've gotten it all wrong. One aspect they've gotten wrong seems so obvious. It's just common sense from the beginning. And yet from our public health officials, you could never expect common sense, which is that when you lock very old people up, and keep them alone and away from their loved ones for months and months at a time, it doesn't go well for them. It's not good for their health. There's a study that's out now, uh, preliminary results showing that uh, since April, 85% of older Americans say they're socializing less often or rarely or never. Not surprising. We have told older people not to leave their homes. 88% said they were not involved in a community. And 41% reported worsening loneliness. This according to Dr. Carla Perizzinotto. What a great, great last Italian last name. A University of California, San Francisco professor and geriatrician. Uh, She said this in Senate testimony. We also know from these scientists, maybe not the other scientists, that living alone without social interaction uh, is implicated in higher rates of heart disease, worsening dementia, Alzheimer's, and... Death shortens people's lives. I, got, I got a, a, was speaking to my grandmother who has been locked up, alone, has not been allowed outside, you know, does, doesn't go anywhere, uh, a couple weeks ago when church reopened. And she said, I don't know, I'm very afraid to go to church, but I really, really want to go to church and it's the only place I see people. And I, it made me think about this question. What should we tell our loved ones who are a little older to do? If if this is actually going to drag on for a year, as as some public health officials have suggested, or 18 months or something, in some cases for older Americans, you're talking about the last few years of their lives. Are we really going to tell them for this last period of their lives, don't go out of your home, don't see anybody, don't see your loved ones? I don't think so. I think people should take precautions, be responsible, wash your hands, even wear the stupid mask, whatever. Be responsible about it. But I don't think we should condemn older Americans to living the rest of their lives in isolation, away from anyone that means anything to them. I don't think so. I don't think FaceTime is enough. Not that most senior citizens use FaceTime all the time either. These questions are not questions for science. There's no scientific answer for whether you should allow grandma to come see people in the last years of her life. That's a political question. That's an ethical question. That's a personal question for your family. It's many things, but it's not a scientific question. We talked on the show yesterday about how what the left has done is take all of the political questions that we debate in our free society and then pretend that there is a scientific answer for them so that they can completely cut off debate. This has been the the leftist game since Karl Marx, pretend that politics is actually science. Politics, which involves disagreement and persuasion, is actually science, which does not, right? Science is set. There's a consensus, no questioning. And then apply that science to history and say there is a science of history and it's always progressing toward the leftist utopia. And if you stand in the way of that, not only are you foolish because history will march on forever, inevitably, but you're also evil because you're standing in the way of progress. That's the leftist game we got to shatter that. we got to stop that. I, I joked on my show a few weeks ago. I said we have to ban the word science from public debate. I'm only half kidding. We should use the word science as it pertains to science, maybe, even though even that's kind of silly because the word science refers to all knowledge. It comes from the Latin word for knowledge. So the idea that now we've truncated an all of knowledge into this tiny little sliver of material inquiry is a little silly to me as well. But what we certainly should not do is... Use the word science as a stand-in for politics because we've got to debate difficult questions where there sometimes aren't clear answers, where we have to weigh risks and and offset certain goods with other goods and, and deal in this sort of finite political reality. Another great example of this in Kentucky, a Kentucky couple was just fitted out with ankle monitors by the local authorities because they refused to sign a public health declaration on the coronavirus. So now they're essentially under house arrest and they, they were wearing ankle monitors like prisoners. They were fitted with this by the Hardin County Health Department because the wife tested positive for coronavirus and she was willing to be very responsible with how to, even though it's got a, what is it, a 99.7% recovery rate, she was going to be very responsible and not leave the house and quarantine. She's a young woman, so she's not really at great risk here but she refused to sign one self-quarantine document, which which said that she would not get in an ambulance without getting permission from the public health authorities. And her reasoning made perfect sense. She said, you know, if I'm having a heart attack or something, I'm not going to ring up the public health authorities and get a a permission slip that I'm allowed to go in an ambulance before I do it. I'm just going to go in an ambulance. So she wasn't going to sign that. And so the authorities slapped her with an ankle monitor. It's not a scientific question. It's a political question. Do we want to live in that sort of police state? Maybe some people do, but if you do have the honest debate, don't hide behind this facade of science with a capital S and a trademark over the E led by that wonderful disinterested scientist who's smiling at you by his pool on the cover of InStyle and throwing out the first pitch at the Nats opening day. These are the stakes of politics right now. The left is actually, it's not even like one issue or another issue where they disagree with you on this issue. It's that they want to take politics away from you. They don't want you to participate in politics. They want not just to silence you in the public arena. They they want to silence you, you know, in in the way that we debate these issues. They want to silence you in any way contributing to our political decision-making. And in the face of that, some Worse than useless squish Republicans are siding with the Democrats. We'll get to one very prominent one in just one moment. First, though, i got to thank our friends over at Ring. Oh, Ring. How I love Ring. Because Ring allows you to keep an eye on your home, whether you are in your home or at the office or on a beach somewhere. It makes you feel like you're in the Jetsons. And it makes you feel very safe. Ring is on a mission to make neighborhoods safer. Their home security products are designed to give you peace of mind around the clock. From video doorbells and security cameras to smart security lighting and alarm systems, Ring has everything you need to make sure your family and belongings are safe and secure anytime, anywhere. With the all new Ring Video Doorbell 3, you can keep a closer eye on things than ever before. Absolutely terrific. Sweet little Lisa's a good shot and everything, but when I'm away from home, makes me feel uh, very safe to know that I can trust Ring. The other thing I love about these guys, I mention it sometimes. uh, I hope my friends aren't listening necessarily. I give Ring out as a housewarming gift. One, because it's very effective. Two, it makes you feel like you're in the Jetsons. Three, it's not very expensive. So you get a lot of credit for a great gift, but it doesn't cost you that much. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. That includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. That is ring.com slash Knowles. K-N-W-L-E-S. The stakes are very high. You always hear... That this election is the most important election of our lifetimes. And then you get the next election. In a sense, the people who tell you that are right because one election leads to the next election, leads to the next. So if things are getting worse and worse and worse, then every election is the most important election in your lifetime. This one, though, I think is a little different in that uh, roving gangs of anarchists are actually burning the country down all around us. So that would say they're tearing down George Washington. You know, that would seem to be important. And then most distressingly, they are taking politics away from all of us and shutting us up on social media and shutting us up in the public square and shutting us up as a matter of public policy. And in that arena, squishy, worse than useless Republicans like John Kasich are siding with the Democrats. John Kasich, his father's a mailman. Did you know that? His fa- seriously. You might not have heard that if you had your ears plugged up for the entire 2016 presidential campaign. John Kasich, whose father is a mailman, who lost to Donald Trump, who is governor of Ohio, is now effectively a Democrat. He is going to speak at the DNC in support of Joe Biden next month. There's a funny thing about John Kasich, which is that John Kasich, perhaps more than any other Republican, is responsible for Donald Trump winning that nomination. When it was clear that John Kasich could not win the presidential race, when the race was coming down to President Trump and a couple other people, John Kasich refused to get out, more or less cemented Trump's victory. Why did he do it? We all assumed that he had made a deal with with Trump to be vice president or cabinet secretary or something, but he didn't. He came out and excoriated Trump afterward. he stayed in anyway, presumably because it was all about him. It was all about his image. It was all about him getting plaudits. It was all about him getting nice articles in the New York Times. And that's what's happening again. These guys, I suppose in a way we should be thankful that they're exposing themselves now because there are a lot of people on the Republican side who pretend to be true believers, who pretend that things really are pretty bad for our culture and for our country, who pretend to stand strong for solutions to fix our country, sometimes at personal cost. And then sometimes it gets too real when they are on the verge of victory, when we are on the verge of talking about political issues that actually matter, that have not been spoken about by either party, or have not been seriously dealt with at least. When we're on the verge of actually doing something, taking on the enormous risk of winning, they wilt, they fall away. They say, we can't actually do that. They'll talk a really good game. Look, a lot of us were a little nervous about Donald Trump in 2016, particularly because some people thought he was a bit liberal. And so they'll say, Hillary's the worst person ever. She's terrible. She's going to run her country off a cliff. She's going to take our second amendment rights. She's going to take our first amendment rights. She hates the country. She's, oh, but I can't vote for Donald Trump. Oh my God, he might actually win. Ooh, oh no, we can't do that. I'll vote for her instead. The thing that they said was so terrible and awful Turns out to be perfectly fine when it's actually threatened. They'd they'd rather play their roles as the court jesters in the kingdom of liberalism than actually win. That's John Kasich, totally useless Republican. No one needs to pay any attention to him. There's another group of people doing this called the Lincoln Project. And the Lincoln Project is even more ridiculous and self-serving and unprincipled than John Kasich. So funny, some of these never-Trump Republicans The the five remaining people on earth who were never Trump Republicans. They they say that they're principled. They seem not to have very many principles. All the principles that John Kasich said he was fighting for in his entire political career until 2016, he threw them out the window to get nice reviews in the New York Times. Same thing with these guys. The Lincoln Project, you might have seen it on Twitter, maybe on TV if you watch left-wing news channels. It's this group that pretends to be principled Republicans. They say that they are persuading enough disaffected conservatives, Republicans, and Republican leaning independents in swing states. Actually though, they're not really doing that. There's a great expose of them in national review right now. They are a bunch of unemployable political consultants from the Republican and sometimes Democratic side who can't get any jobs now because Trump booted them out of their sinecures. And so they are raising money exclusively from leftists to do what? To kick Trump out of office? No to pay themselves. That's what it is. It's a big con. What they, they, I'm actually, I know some of these people. They spout these democratic talking points. They'll say Donald Trump is a Russian stooge, things like that, which is very funny because one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, by the way, is actually a paid agent of Russia. He is a registered lobbyist for Russia. Shows you the kind of hypocrisy here. But what they do broadly is they raise money from Democrats to, to fight Trump as a, as Republicans. And then they pay themselves. They pay their own political consulting companies a lot of money. Listen to some of these companies. Summit Strategic Communications. That's run by the Lincoln Project treasurer, Reed Galen. TUSK Digital, Tusk Digital, run by former Lincoln Project advisor, Ron Steslau. As of July 13th, the Lincoln Project paid at least $5.6 million dollars to those two companies. 5.6 million. They've raised something, I think like 20 million so far, and they just pay their own political consulting companies. They did spend $1.67 million on ads across Facebook and Instagram, but those ads are just targeting leftist donors to pay them more money to pay themselves. They, they have aired some TV ads. Do you know where they aired TV ads? This is a group ostensibly trying to convince conservative voters not to vote for Trump. They aired the TV ads on Morning Joe. Morning Joe is a left-wing television show on a left-wing cable news channel. How many conservatives do you know that watch MSNBC? Not very many. But they air the ads to get more donors to pay themselves. A total con. A total con. It is a way to use politics to aggrandize themselves, aggrandize their own bank accounts, and not, not do anything. No principle whatsoever. Principle be damned. And in the face of that, In the face of these frauds, like John Kasich and like the Lincoln Project, I see a guy like Kanye West, who is a little eccentric, a little out there, probably not fit today to be president, not just yet, at least. But I I look at a guy like that, I see what he's talking about. I think that guy has a lot more business in American politics than any of those frauds. Kanye West, you know, he did his first campaign rally. We played some of it yesterday on the show. There's one bit that you can't find in a lot of places. I don't know. It seems like it's being covered up by the internet or something. No no one has clipped it out at least. So I went through the whole rally yesterday. I had to go through several versions of it to find this bit because sometimes audio drops out at these important parts. Kanye West gives a definition of freedom that is more sophisticated than probably 70% of Republicans and conservatives could come up with. The only thing that can free us is by obeying the rules that were given to us for a promised land. And the freedom does not come from an election. The freedom comes from you not loading up pornography. The freedom comes from you not taking the purpose set. The freedom comes from you. this election. It only has to do with God and God's people. Kanye West has given a more conservative and more precise definition of freedom than the vast majority of conservative and Republican politicians and thinkers could today. It's so funny after this rant that he gave, there are many people on the left and the right who are saying, Kanye, he's crazy. He's gone insane. He needs to get the help that he needs. I see this all over Twitter. He needs, he needs help. Kanye West sounds more sane than <laughs> the vast majority of people in our public life and certainly than, than most people on Twitter. What is Kanye saying? He's saying freedom will not come from an election. Freedom will come when you stop watching porn. Freedom will come when you stop taking drugs. Freedom will come when you put the gun down and stop shooting people at a gas station. This definition of freedom is an ancient definition of freedom, and it is the Christian definition of freedom, which says the man who sins is a slave to sin. Coincidentally, it is the definition of freedom that many of our founding fathers would have understood. John Adams, who says our Constitution is built for a moral and religious people. is unfit to the governance of any other kind of people. You need to be a free people to have free government. It's not the other way. The government does not make you free. The government cannot recognize a freedom that you do not possess. You have to be free to govern yourself. And what is freedom? There are these two competing visions of freedom. There is the kind of modern squishy lib weak version of freedom, which is you're born free. And then society tries to stop you from being free and educate your freedom out of you. But as long as you get naked and protest in Portland and do whatever you want all the time and take whatever drugs and have sex with whoever people and eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want, just follow your appetites as far as they can go, then you'll be truly free. That's the lib, squishy, crazy version of freedom. The correct version of freedom, which is conservative and ancient and recognized by our founding fathers, is the idea that actually You're not born free in the sense that you can govern yourself. You are born as a little baby. Babies aren't free. They can't, they're very dependent. And then you are educated in freedom. That's why we have the liberal arts. We educate ourselves to make sense of our freedom, to tame our passions and appetites, to be, as John Adams says, a moral and religious people. And then when you can control all of those passions, then you are free to govern yourself. That is a higher freedom. It's a freedom that eludes virtually everybody today because we are bombarded with things that compromise our freedom. And I don't think it's a coincidence that many people who have a strong interest in continuing to compromise our freedom and bombarding us with things that send us down bad paths, I don't think it's any coincidence that those people and, and their kind of lemmings in the public are trying to call Kanye West crazy. Is Kanye West a little crazy? Yeah, he's always been a little bit crazy. I think he, I think most celebrities are a little bit crazy. I think he would tell you that. But ironically, the thing he's being called crazy for now is some of the most sane stuff we're hearing on our political scene. And so they've got it. the left has to use that science, capital S, trademark over the E, to diagnose him as crazy and shut him up and probably send him to an insane asylum for speaking the truth. They'd like to do that to all of us, I think. Luckily, though, there is a, a little bit of hope here in politics. I was talking, actually, to a priest who, who said, you know, with all this crazy news stories in, in, floating around, how do you stay positive? And he said, I know, I know, you know, our, our Savior lives and the, you know, this wonderful faith that, but, but politically, from a political standpoint, how do you say, stay positive? I thought about it. I thought it was a very good question. And there is an answer. There is an answer, and we're seeing the fruit of that answer play out right now. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I've got to thank you. Thank you for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Be sure to hit that bell and check out exclusive content posted at that channel. Like our latest piece, the best of the worst TikTok videos. Also, Backstage Live will be this Friday, July 24th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Also, Ben has a new book. Do I have a copy of that book here? I do. The book is called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. The book goes on sale tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Ben will be doing a virtual live signing event that you can't miss. And maybe, maybe I'll show up there. I don't know. Maybe you'll see me there. Uh, With your purchase of a signed copy, you can write in a question, which may be read and answered as he signs your book live on the air. You can pre-order your signed copy and write in your question at dailywire.com slash Ben and get a reader's pass. One buck. For your first month, three bucks a month after that, you get a lot of exclusive content. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Where's the hope from a political perspective? How do you stay positive from a political perspective? Beyond religious assurances, beyond hope in the next life. It's this issue that Russell Kirk talked about in The Conservative Mind. It's this issue that crops up even among the most pessimistic conservatives, which is this. Reality reasserts itself in the end. That is the great conservative consolation. No matter how crazy things get, no matter how ideological and delusional and fantastical the left becomes and the culture becomes, reality ultimately will reassert itself. You can't urinate on people's legs and tell them that it is raining forever. Eventually, they'll wise up and they'll get sick of it. Today, you see this probably most clearly on the transgender issue. The left is telling us that men are really women and that men should be able to use the women's bathroom and that men should be able to change next to your daughter in the girl's changing room. Some excitable people on the left will tell you that if you are not sexually attracted to men who are pretending to be women, that you're a bigot. That's a bridge too far. That's just a bridge too far. The left can delude a lot of people on, for instance, abortion. Another issue Kanye has been talking about. The left can delude a lot of people and pretend a baby is not a baby. The left can delude a lot of people in the popular culture, entertainment culture, sell people a bunch of tripe and tell them that it's high art. They can delude people that way. The left can get people to go along with a lot of their issues. But it just seems to me that pretending that men are women is a step too far. And the numbers bear that out. The, uh, Media Matters. You know our friends over at Media Matters. They're our private PR firm. <laughs> they, they just clip out parts of our shows all the time and post them all over the internet. We say, thank you so much. Thank you for the advertising. Media Matters put out a piece yesterday. They were very upset. The right is dominating Facebook engagement on content about trans issues. They actually named Daily Wire. Daily Wire is right there at the top. Right-leaning sources earned more than 65% of interactions on top trans-related content. Media Matters study of interactions on published online content about trans topics shared on Facebook found that right-leaning sources earned higher engagement. We looked at 225 pieces of high-performing content on trans topics, which earned a combined total of 66 million interactions on Facebook, and the content and related topics from right-leaning sources can 65.7% of those interactions. Comparatively, 15.4% of interactions were earned by queer sources, whatever that is, 3.9% from left-leaning sources, 10.4% from non-aligned and 4.6% from other sources and the Daily Wire apparently performs right at the top there on, uh, on a lot of that content. The study goes on and on, I recommend you go read it. Media Matters doesn't get it. They think, they think that the reason that right wing content, right wing content on transgender issues performs better on social media is because we're gaming the system somehow. We're cheating. We're, we're doing something nefarious. Do you know why right-leaning content on trans issues does better? It's because men are not women and everybody knows that. And right-leaning on this particular issue just means stating what is perfectly obvious, that men are not women. It's amazing. You know, I did this whole speaking tour last year called the men are not women tour. It was a joke. It was a joke because. That's the most obvious thing you could say. You'd say the sky is blue. You could say two plus two equals four. But today, on the left, in the leftist culture, it's considered controversial to say that men are not women. Do you know why the the right-wing content does so well? Is because you can't fool people forever on some of the most basic facts of their lives. The right-leaning content does better because reality reasserts itself in the end. How did Donald Trump win in 2016? It was the Russians. It wasn't the Russians. Remember we had that whole two and a half year investigation, millions of dollars wasted to find out it wasn't the Russians? It was the, it was the, I I don't know, the Ukrainians. It wasn't the Ukrainians. It wasn't anybody. Do you know what it was? Reality reasserts itself in the end. You had the entire American establishment, media, politics, administrative government, big tech, higher education, lower education, everything working against Donald Trump. And he still won. Barely, but he won. How did he win? Because people recognized that they were being defrauded by Hillary Clinton and by the left. If you want your content to perform better on social media, say true things. Don't delude people. Don't urinate on their leg and pretend that it's raining. If you do that, if you do all those terrible things, you you will have success for some time. Because the left has a lot of power. But in the end, in the end, reality is going to peek through. Yet the delusions move on. In the media, the Associated Press has just issued a new rule. The Associated Press is always issuing new rules on grammar, spelling, how to to format things, you know, for all of the other journalists around the world. Well, they've now decided that they are going to capitalize the B in black, as in a black person. Which is a little odd to me. I, I, when I write, I don't capitalize people's, the color of people's skin, but okay, that's the new rule. They're going to capitalize the B in black, but they're not going to capitalize the W in white. That's that's lowercase. Uh, come again? Why is that? Why is that double standard? I mean, what they're saying is black people are good, white people are bad. That's really that's all that it means. We're going to we view this capitalization as a form of respect. Why else would they change it during this period where? everyone is walking on eggshells on issues of race and black lives matter. And if you don't post the black square, you're going to be ostracized. So they're, they're, they think the capitalization is a good thing to do. And so they're not going to do that for white people, even though black and white are totally analogous, right? You're just talking about people's race and people's skin color. So their excuse here is that this is according to the AP. The AP is reporting what the AP said in the AP. The AP said white people in general have much less shared history and culture and don't have the experience of being discriminated against because of skin color. Uh, Starting to think we might be having that experience, AP, because you're you're obviously using this double standard and and, and doing so in an insulting way to a race of people. But imagine imagine what they're saying here. The The one criticism of the AP that's coming from the left is that what they're doing is actually disrespectful to black people. And in a way, I think they're probably right. They're saying white people have much less shared history and culture. So what they're saying is black people are a monolith and white people are diverse and and varied. You know, Africa is a pretty big place. Africa is much, much, much larger than all of Europe. But you're saying that black people are all the same, even though they come from this much larger continent with all sorts of varied nations and tribes. But Europe, which much smaller... And smaller relative to nations and tribes, is totally diverse. The New York Times defends this. They say, white doesn't represent a shared culture and history in the way that black does. And I assume this also ties into this discrimination question, which I would remind you, we have one regime of legal discrimination at this point. I'm not saying there isn't private discrimination that happens sometimes. Surely somewhere it does, though I don't think it's as widespread as the left says it is, not even close. But as a matter of legal discrimination, there's only one kind of of legal racial discrimination that is called affirmative action and it discriminates on behalf of black people, Hispanic people, other racial minorities, and it discriminates against white people and Asian people, which is why Asian people are suing Harvard right now. It's poor Asian people. They immigrate to America, they get discriminated against. Then they do well in America, what do they do? They get discriminated against all the time. What the AP and the New York Times are saying is that there is no white racial consciousness. And they're basically right. There's not much of a white racial consciousness. Pew backs this up. Most races have uh, over 50% racial consciousness. White people have 15%. And when you talk about extreme racial consciousness, it's only about 5%. However, what the AP and the New York Times and the whole culture is doing right now is going to have the effect of raising that racial consciousness, which most conservatives, I think, would like to lower the racial consciousness. We don't think that viewing yourself primarily through race Is particularly fruitful for Democratic Republican politics. We don't think it's particularly important for our own identity. We would probably prioritize things that are more religious or philosophical or political over issues like race. But what the left wants to do is gin up that racial consciousness. That's going to get ugly because eventually people are going to respond to that. When they say, You know, if the argument that the AP and the New York Times is making is that being discriminated against will form a racial consciousness, which I think is in part the argument they're making, and then they're saying, so we're going to discriminate against white people in a way that we're not going to against other races. What's the effect of that going to be? It's not going to be a very good one, but I think it's the one that the left actually wants to accomplish. Lots of topsy-turvy politics these days. Lots of upside down. You know, the left saying they want racial healing. What do they do? They sow racial division. Also totally inverted, upside down, the St. Louis authorities are now officially charging the McCloskeys, you know, the, the Brooks Brothers model couple, the pink shirt and the chinos with the guns defending their lives and property against armed vandals. They're charging them for unlawful use of a weapon, a felony. They're saying it's illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner at those participating in nonviolent protest. Nonviolent protest. The the, the nonviolent protest destroyed the McCloskey's property, their giant gate, metal gate, and they were waving weapons in their face. Those guys don't get charged. The McCloskey's defending their own property do get charged completely backwards, completely upside down. I hope this is immediately pardoned by the governor or or laughed out of court by the judge, but I, I doubt it will be at least early on because the whole apparatus is against these guys it's it, talk about reality reasserting itself all of us around the country are saying you can't hold on if i go on someone else's property with a gun and threaten them i'm fine that's a legitimate expression of my political views but if i defend my own property with a gun i don't even fire it i just hold it that's a felony you say that's completely upside down well it gets crazier there's a piece it's a true really magnificent work of journalism from the LA Times with a naked woman sitting spread eagle on the asphalt in Portland. She's one of these rioters sitting completely naked. And the headline is out of Portland tear gas, an apparition emerges, capturing the imagination of protesters. Some people have tweeted, they said, oh, you know, that's that's pretty nice. Get to see a naked lady. I don't know if you guys have ever met Antifa, if you've ever seen them up close. I have. They're not like the most hygienic people on earth. Okay. They're not, they tend not to be supermodels. So I think we can only see this woman from the back, but I don't, I, 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 I don't envy the cops who have to look at this. Listen to the headline, listen to the article rather. She emerged as an apparition from clouds of tear gas as federal agents fired pepper bowls at angry protesters in early Saturday darkness. Wow. Am I reading like a, reading like a romance novel or something like that. A woman wearing nothing but a black face mask and a stocking cap strode toward a dozen heavily armed agents attired in camouflage fatigues lined up across a downtown street. The agents dispatched by the Trump administration over vociferous objections of state and city officials are part of a force that has fired projectiles at and detained activists protesting nightly since the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police, May 25th. Let me, I'll translate that to you into English. Rioters have burned down cities and attacked people and in instances killed people. And so the cops are now arresting them. That's it. That's, you could have, was that one sentence? It was one sentence. That's what's actually happening here. Numerous photos and videos posted to Twitter show the unidentified woman as she halted in the middle of the street at 1.45 a.m. She stood calmly, a surreal image of human vulnerability in the face of an overpowering force that has been criticized nationally by civil rights advocates. Oh, has it? It it has been criticized. The cops have been criticized by, oh, by the LA Times, right, for arresting rioters. Okay. The thing goes on. I mean, I can't, before it was over, she struck ballet poses and reclined on the street. She also sat on the asphalt in a yoga-like position, facing the officers before they left. Wow. That is, that is a poetic journey. It reminds me of uh, Kennedy's Supreme Court decision in Obergefell, which read less like law and more like romantic poetry. That reads less like journalism, more like romantic poetry. Imagine, imagine that kind of talk. How about, how about we just arrest rioters and people who are engaged in public indecency, like sitting spread eagle on the asphalt in front of cops? That's not going to happen. That is not going to happen at all. What we are in the midst of is a, a narrative. We are living in a narrative that it, we are told is the truth. It's not just political truth. It's scientific truth. Rioters, good. Cops, bad. Burning down the country, good. Building it back up, bad. George Washington, very, very bad. Leftist Marxist activists, very, very good. We we're told this is eternally true. Science. If you disagree with it, not only are you wicked, but you're crazy. You're insane. You probably have to be sent to an insane asylum. And we lionize the politicians who pretend to be doctors, who pretend to be scientists who push this ridiculous agenda and lie to our faces. I think science, as it has been perverted, has struck out. I think we've got to put that aside, at least until the election, and recognize that the questions that are being posed as scientific and the statements that are being posed as scientific are nothing but naked politics. Naked is that lady sitting spread eagle on the asphalt. And we need to engage in those political debates. And we need to stand up if we actually care about the political principles we say we believe in. We have to do something about it. We have to fight back. We have to make sure we stand up, win the political battle, and then hopefully we can reclaim our politics and get back to all the debates that we'd like to be having. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant Director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Klavan, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The left breaks the law, but they don't want to be arrested. They're violent, but they don't want us to fight back. They lie, but the man that we trust them, basically their message is, don't interrupt us while we're destroying America. We'll take a closer look on The Andrew Clavin Show.